We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. In fact, to highlight the seams where the cracks were, turning those broken places into a new kind of beauty. By intentionally acknowledging, even highlighting, and then repairing, and then healing the flaws, the imperfections, we can create a new kind of beauty and a new kind of strength. You can see... uh, What a good metaphor that is for our own personal lives as well as for redeeming religion. Well, in this lesson, I hope that you will hear from more voices than mine talking about how we do that, rehabilitate our religion, repair the parts that have been broken, and hopefully create a new kind of beauty. So I hope the lesson will be a defense of religion, but it will not be a defense of our broken religion. Anybody who is paying attention is aware that Western Christianity is broken. Lots of things that get called church or get called Christianity or get called religion, I want no part of. I do not want a place to hide because I'm afraid. I do not want to seek refuge in dogmatic beliefs I do not want to circle the wagons with like-minded, also fearful people. I don't want a religion that helps me manage my fear. But that is happening in Western Christianity in our lifetimes. I do not want to be part of a community that suppresses critical thinking, that discourages doubts, that tries to quash wondering. And I bet you don't either, but that is happening in Western Christianity. I do not want to be part of a system that suppresses women. I do not want to limit the roles or the rights of women, not in religion, not in society. I don't want to be part of a religious system that debases queer people. I don't want to be part of a system that thinks it's okay to use shame or guilt or fear to keep people in line. I do not want to be part of exclusion. I do not want to keep people out so that those who remain can feel like insiders. I don't want to be part of a religious system that is so ashamed of its pedophiles, it hides them to protect the institution at the expense of children. I don't want to be part of a system that exploits people, especially older people, for money. I don't want to be numbered among hypocrites or oppressors or haters. And all those things do happen and are happening in Western Christianity in our lifetimes, and I want no part, and I bet you do not want part either. Also, I like science. So, it's not a lesson to defend a broken system. It's not a lesson to try and prop up a religion that has lost its legitimacy, an institution that is malfunctioning. When I talk about rehabilitating religion, I have something bigger in mind than propping up a failed system. But for that bigger to unfold, we have to first acknowledge that our religion has grown ill, maybe terminally so. We also have to rethink some core assumptions about religion and particularly about 
Western Christianity. And we could do that. And a lot of good people have been doing that and have been working on it for years, which makes now a time for rethinking and repairing. And I want to be part of that. I want to be part of healing and redeeming and restoring. I want to make beauty out of the shards and the fragments. I want to make wholeness out of the bits and the pieces. That's what we've been doing at Common Thread, Kintsugi for our broken religion. Okay, <clears throat> let's talk about what I just did. <laughs> that list that I just laid out, all of the ugly things that are going on in Western Christianity, the stuff that I do not want to be part of, that was a rhetorical tool. <laughs> and I used it a little bit to manipulate you. I listed a whole bunch of things that nobody with a lick of sense wants to be part of. And then I stacked them all very close together, hardly taking a breath in between each one. And I used that stacked language in, to, in order to convey the sense that religion is all of that ugliness. That's what it is. People use that tool. It's called a straw man argument when they want to make a point, but they don't want to debate the thing on its merit. When they want to uh, be able to make their case and not have to deal with the full complement of the thing. When we don't want to challenge something in all of its fullness, we use language tools, rhetoric tools, like that stacking strategy to distort the thing, to make it sound foolish, to make it sound ridiculous, to make it sound laughable. That way it is so much easier to just simply dismiss it to roll our eyes and say, stupid religion. But using that tool, it's a little bit cheating. <laughs> and we have to distort the thing in order to use that tool. We have to intentionally weaken the thing in order to use that tool. That way we only have to engage with the caricature of the thing, not the full dimension of the thing. Now, to be fair, people often use that tool innocently not trying to misrepresent, not trying to manipulate. Uh, it's actually a feature in our brains. Our brains will filter out all of the things that make uh, an issue too complex so that we can save all of our energy for debating whatever it is that's in front of us. Our brains will conveniently filter out all uh, information to the contrary and do it for us out of our conscious awareness because it is much simpler. We use many fewer calories to not see the bigger picture, not see the harder thing. It, we make it so much easier on ourselves to be able to take a hard line and have definitive answers when we can dismiss a thing. Thank you, brains. Now, <clears throat> if you did not feel manipulated while I was creating that list, well, that just tells you how damn good I am at this. <laughs> or more likely, We've all been uh, saturated in a steady diet of straw man arguments. We are all fed all day, every day, a steady diet of this kind of caricatured thinking of everybody who is not us. So much so, we often don't even notice when it's happening. But it is cheating, and so let's not cheat. In fact, Let's go ahead and try and use that strategy, but now let's use it 
in reverse and see how that goes. It's going to be easier for you to see it coming this time because I'm telling you it's on its way right now. But let's give it a try anyway. For all of human history, for all of human development, we have carried deep within our humanity a deep spiritual and a deep communal impulse. Humans just do have a deep hunger for the numinous, to touch the untouchable, to see the unseeable. And religion has been where we human beings go to step back from the hurly-burly of daily, everyday life to seek and to find those glimpses of the transcendent, glimpses of a greater reality than our blinders-on survival strategy way of approaching life. And I want to be in that community. Religion has been where human beings go to seek and to find the encouragement and the courage and the strength to step back and to see the broader perspective and to gain a bigger picture. It's where we gather to help one another do that, to lift one another up when we stumble, to help one another elevate our vision when our countenance falls to see that bigger picture and see it once again and once again and once again and to gain that broader perspective again and again and again and in the seeing to find hope again and to find courage again and to find resilience again and I want to be part of that community. Religion has been where human beings gather to seek guidance when we lose our ways and when we are overrun by the difficulty of circumstances and when we lose our moral compasses. Religion is where we gather to help one another find our way again. And I want to be part of that. Religion is where we go to seek together and to find together how to live the good life, the virtuous life. How to live lives of meaning and lives of purpose. Religion is where we human beings warehouse the accumulated wisdom of the ages so that we can transmit it generation to generation. As the new generation becomes ready, it's there ready to be given. It's where we hold on to time-tested principles of the good life until the next generation is ready for it. It's where we go to grapple with the deeply human questions that have no definitive answers, where we try to talk about things that cannot be talked about, and in our vain attempts where we often stumble into some of the most beautiful things that human beings stumble into. Religion has always been a doorway into human growth, where we go that because we are there, we transcend our self-centeredness, and we grow into awe and wonder, reverence and gratitude, where we emerge into selflessness and empathy and compassion and forgiveness and mercy and justice. And I want to be part of that community, and I bet you do too. But I also bet, like I am, you are keenly aware that those attributes are in short supply today in our society. And I want to be part of a community working to restore that, to restore a healthy religion that draws those attributes forth in human beings. Okay, now let's assess our rhetoric, shall we? <laughs> the second list is also a straw man argument. The second list, list is a straw man argument because it doesn't list any of the stuff in that first list. And the stuff that's in that first list is also true. 
The stuff in the first list, all the ugly stuff, that is part of Western Christianity. But the second list didn't include any of that stuff that goes on in the first list. It just makes the case without dealing with the complexity of the reality. The first list didn't include any of the second stuff. They are both caricatures of the reality that is Western Christianity. Only see the first, and it makes sense to abandon religion. Lots of people are doing it. Only see the second, and maybe we do try to prop up a failed religion. We do dig in, and we do entrench, and we do work harder. Lots of folks are doing that as well. But work either list without grappling with the complexity of the other, and we suffer the consequences of our brain's capacity to streamline down and simplify to the point where we're no longer dealing with reality as reality is. Makes it so much easier to just join one of our culture's warring factions and go to war. We can do that. But that's not what we've decided to do as a community here at Common Thread. We've decided to work from both lists. And because that has been our way, we have concluded that it is not in our best interests to either remain and prop up a broken religion, to overlook lost legitimacy of our religious narrative, to pretend that our institutions are not malfunctioning, but neither is it in our best interests to abandon those features of religion that serve so deeply the well-being of our humanity. It is in our interests to repair what is broken, to gather the fragments from history, to add gold and lacquer, to heal the fractures, and to do our best to restore. It is in our best interest to renew and enhance to secure the foundations, to reclaim them, and to rebuild on them, to reclaim our heritage, reclaim our legacy, but to do that we must renew and we must rehabilitate and recover and reconstruct. We need to become the kind of people that people become when they are part of a redeemed, rehabilitated religious system. Now, wouldn't it be great to be born two generations from now when all of this kintsugi work has been done? <laughs> when all of this rehabilitating, redeeming work is finished, we can just step right into the system, start using the system, and start becoming the kinds of human beings that we would like to become. But we were born now. And this is our job. And we owe this work to our children and to great-great-grandchildren that we will never meet. A repaired religion, a stripped-down-to-the-studs, rebuilt-well religion. I'm writing an online course right now. I'm writing it for our community's future leaders when I am no longer the, the leader. I'm also hoping to gather a community of leaders of other congregations to think about how it is that we build healthy spiritual communities in this newly emerging worldview that we live in, how to rebuild in the ruins of the religion that is crumbling around us. One of the first things that I talk about in this course is the psychological and emotional skills that are required to live in a Reformation 
generation. Here are three slides from the videos. This is the first one. Uh, there is historical precedent for major religious social reforms, like the one that we're going through right now. They've happened at least five times in our own tradition. That movie was about the last one, the one that happened 500 years ago. And when these moments, like the one that we're living through, happen, uh, it is emotionally a volatile time. Times like this are so emotionally difficult. If you start thinking differently, out in the cold is part of the deal. If you start imagining something as venerated as religion differently, excommunication and losing your building and becoming a wandering vagabond tribe of people, that's part of the mix. Now, thank God we haven't resorted to burning others at the stake, but the Reformation isn't over yet. Who knows? We may get there. I also talk about how the work set before us living through one of these Reformation generations is a strip it down to the studs, find out the core essence, and then rebuild on that core essence kind of work, and that is difficult. But that is the time into which we have been born. Or, put another way, ours is a Kintsugi generation. Uh, we live in a time as the word Reformation would indicate, of radical reform. A time to see and a time to admit to ourselves that we have lost our way. A time to see that we have taken vice and we have dressed it up and called it a virtue and now we are harming and not helping. It's a time, the old-timey religious word for it is, of repentance. A time to see and to acknowledge and to admit our error and to commit ourselves to turning it around. And it is a time to seek where is life and where is vitality? Where did we lose our way and what was the purpose there in the first place so we can find our way back to the life and vitality? And it's a time for boldness, a time to go where our brains don't like going. Our brains don't like to go toward change, don't like to, to go toward different, especially as radical a departure as a Reformation generation requires. It's a time that challenges established thinking norms and creates new thinking norms and new basic assumptions. It's a time to mobilize one another to think and act differently, to stitch together new meaning-making stories from the old. It's time to live different lives. <clears throat> One of our well-known scriptures reminds us that there is a time to build up. There is. It's actually easier to live in the time to build up years, generations. But there's also a time to tear down. And Reformation generations have to do both. They demand boldness because it takes boldness to tear down things that have been so venerated for so long. Things that have been once held to be the universal truths that we held on to, tra to transmit to the next generation. To begin to challenge those things is difficult. Reformation generations are a time for dialogue and debate and for asking hard questions. One reason we started What Are You Thinking was to begin to normalize 
challenging accepted norms. Begin to normalize engaging different perspectives coming from different camps. To normalize seeing things from a different angle. And that's the time that we live in now. That's the work that's set before us now. And the work we have been doing as common thread, it's work we have been engaged in. So in this lesson, one of the things that we'll do is revisit some of the core foundations of what Reformation thinking will require, what change it will require of us. As I said a moment ago, I hope to add other voices to mine. Uh, the work that we have done, the work that is yet to do. So, <clears throat> our religion has a history of seeing from different perspectives. Our religion does have a time in times in which we go over familiar territory, but we do it with different starting assumptions. That's the heritage from which we draw to live well now. Times of tumult like ours, times of upheaval like ours are difficult. Times of religious reformation, times of social reformation are difficult. Again, I said a moment ago, much easier to be to live two generations from now after all this work has been done, but also how exciting to be alive now. How exciting to have been born now. To live in a time where we get to participate in this time to heal, this time to restore, this time to redeem. Kitsugi is often used as a metaphor for our personal lives. And it's a good metaphor. We do well when we embrace the parts of our lives and souls that have been broken and then restored. Now it's maybe more beautiful to have been broken and healed than never to have been broken in the first place. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that there's anybody who does know that that's true because I think not being broken, never really an option. <laughs> but it's also a great metaphor for our collective participation in a Reformation moment. The time when we realize that we have lost our way, that we have been broken, we are afraid and we are ashamed. And there is deep beauty waiting to emerge. There is history that can be honored and drawn from. There is repair work to be done. There is wisdom to embrace, to integrate, and to update. And again, we can create a cohesive whole that can help us become the human beings we want to become. So indwelling divine in our community, may we rise to this moment in time. And here in our sphere, may we learn and grow, embrace our own personal imperfections, but also redeem and rehabilitate together our religions, flaws, and imperfections and fractures. And may we shine again. Amen. Well, since we don't have the live stream folks today, we can skip the dismissing of them part and tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me what is stirring up in your heart. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.